0: I guess we should do this thing huh fuck yeah let's do this all right guys and welcome back to another episode of tip to tip with Lou and Chris my name is Lou hey guys I'm still Chris he's Chris still and did you hear when I did Lou right there I went Lou Lou. yeah that happens sometimes I don't know what happens when I talk a lot my voice starts to do a little cracky stuff Correct. um so this is a little interesting one uh on episode 21 we started talking about town and country and the episode became so long and unruly that we decided to break it into two episodes. So we are on episode 22 now, but it's still Cineplex Odeon Town and Country Theaters again. (laughs) (laughs) So hopefully hopefully you you didn't get enough last time and you want a little more, because I got a little more for you. So uh, yeah, we're not going to do an occupational breakdown because we did that last time. So I don't know why anybody would listen to this episode and not the previous episode, but if you did that... Go back and listen to the previous episode. Just commit to two episodes for me. I don't ask for any more than that. (laughs) Just two. (laughs) Just two. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, let's jump back into this thing and keep on going with it. All right. Yep. Let's do it. I told you before, there was a bunch of like high school kids working there. Right. And so there was a lot of like high school kind of teenage drama as well. Oh, no. And one of my favorite stories kind of relating to that. So there's this employee named Chris. He was like a blonde, like skater kid. And he really took a shine to me, like you know that kind of like big brother little brother vibe, you know, like fucking lose awesome, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. He'd actually do that. He go, he goes fucking lose awesome. He'd like do the <laughs> fucking rock the horns thing. Oh like anytime God. I said something crazy or did something crazy or, you know, did something that he considered like out there because you know he's a fucking high school kid and I'm doing the things I do. But uh so then that that guy Bill I mentioned before, which. um he was a nice enough guy. He was one of those guys where, like I said before, like in a previous episode talking about him without naming him, he was sort of homophobic, he was a little religious background, that kind of thing, and then when he found out, he kind of liked me, like we got along, he thought I was funny. When he found out I was bi, he was like, his mind was blown. He would like, I remember him asking, he'd just come out of the blue and come up and ask me questions, like, "What? aren't you worried about this? I remember one time he asked me why I hated God so much, <laughs> and he wasn't like mad, he was just like wondering. He's like, why do you hate God so much? I'm like, I don't hate God. I just don't believe in God. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I hate the idea of like what people are doing in the name of God, and I hate how people act relating to that. But I don't actually hate God. It's like an abstract thing that's not hateable for me. Did he? It's ha- like hating cheeseburgers? <laughs> did he? <laughs> <laughs> Except you believe in cheeseburgers? <laughs> <laughs> as much as I believe in God, did? But you know, he was like a he was a nice enough guy. Did did he ask you why you hate God because you were bisexual or did he ask you because you express your No, kind of unrelated. It was just like he, okay. would, he would ask me questions about the things that were different about me. Okay. And he wasn't super like, you're fucking going to hell. He wasn't like one of those guys. But he's just like, oh, it's really weird. I never thought about things that way. But nice enough guy, but kind of buttoned up, kind of uptight. And uh, <laughs> so Bill had recently been dumped by Kelly. Kelly being a, another employee at the theater, this you know cute little sixteen year old girl, very very innocent Catholic schoolgirl, very nice, very funny, but like had not seen very much in life. Yeah. And the as the story goes, I hadn't I hadn't seen it because but it was through the grapevine I heard that when Kelly dumped Bill, it was in the car behind the theater in the alley back there, and he got so upset like emotionally that he got out of the car and threw up, right? <laughs> yeah. And then. Because we're a bunch of fucking pricks behind his back to each other, it's it became like a joke to use the word bill instead of puke. So like, oh man, I don't feel so good. I think I'm going to bill. <laughs> right? It was sort of like a running joke. And like, we didn't do it to his face, but it was like a, like, you know, just us being fucking stupid 20, 20 year olds. Yeah. <laughs> so this is more to the story. So around the same time, I went through a phase where I would aggressively pull the zipper of my pants down at somebody as like an insult. But like funny, like like instead of saying fuck you to somebody, I would like aggressively pull my zipper down and try to get like a nice noise. Yeah. You know, so you get the image. Um, This will, you know, the louder the zipper noise, the better. Right. And this this will remain this will be relevant in a second. I'm working a shift not too long after Bill got dumped. I'm out front in the box office, like talking to the girl in the box and um, (laughs) I hear a scuffle and I start hearing screaming coming from the lobby of the theater. I'm like, what the fuck? And so I come around the corner, like what's going on up here? And I see Bill and Chris Rolling around the ground, punching each other like mid-fist fight, like beating the <laughs> shit out of each other on the, on the carpet in the middle of the lobby, right? W- was and Chris there, was working? Was there
1: any so- customers around or anything?
0: There was no customers there. It was like between shows or something. But Kelly's screaming the whole time. She's like standing nearby, like screaming for them to stop, right? And Chris is like wearing his fucking theater outfit, and Bill had just come in to visit or something. He was wearing street clothes. So I separate them and I'm like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like little kids, like pull them apart by the the scruff of their neck, you know? Yeah. And I basically make Bill leave because he wasn't working. So I was like, you got to fucking get out of here. I don't care whose fault it is. You got to get out of here. Right. So he leaves. And then I, I get the story from Chris and Kelly. And basically what happened was. Bill had come in to like talk to kelly he was, he was still had like a thing he was still trying to like fix it and get back together with her, and it was one of those and I and Chris was like inserting himself a little bit into it, but like he was being very like immature and making jokes about like he's you know are you gonna go out to the back and bill like <laughs> telling Bill like are you gonna go bill out in the, out in the alley and you know, that kind of thing yeah, and I guess at some point Bill said, if you keep this up, I'm gonna kick your ass and then Chris, in response to that, aggressively unzipped his zipper at Bill. <laughs> And Bill immediately, Bill immediately attacked him. So it was all Bill's fault. I mean, I gotta be honest, it's probably a little bit my fault. That's really funny, dude. If I hadn't shown Chris the zipper thing, maybe none of that would have happened. But yeah, it was like we made them fucking, like, you know, shake hands and stuff. Like, gotta be able to fucking work together, like it was fucking funny though I when I found out that he he unzipped his zipper at bill and then bill attacked him the image of that just made me laugh so fucking hard <laughs> yeah it was amazing so we get to uh we get to the point of the show where we're gonna talk about how fucking awesome it was kicking people out of the theater mm-hmm and how satisfying every every weekend, basically, we would have like issues with some fucking high school kids or, you know, someone being rowdy in the theater or throwing candy at the screen or fucking being loud or saying inappropriate things to the female employees. there, like trying to make their friends laugh. Yeah. And you could tell it was always like they couldn't believe that they were going to get manhandled. It was like, no, we're, we're we're customers. You're supposed to, like, kiss our ass. And next thing, it's like I'm standing in a fucking theater with the movie playing with a full crowd of people watching the movie. And I'm standing full volume in front of these kids like, get the fuck up, get out of those seats or I'm going to drag you out of here what's more embarrassing for you getting up and walking out on your own or me dragging you out of here by your fucking hair that kind of thing yeah and then like they get up and they walk out of the theater and like kind of like grumbling under their voice like fucking asshole kind of thing like and we follow them and like we're like keep going keep going and then as soon as they get outside the fucking line of the theater like they're past the point where they're now in the mall then i'm like we i can keep going or i can stop your choice you know it's like if we want to keep doing this we can keep doing this i'm gonna take the bow tie off take the shirt off we can go out we can go out in the parking lot if you want to that kind of thing yeah and i don't know how many times i fucking took the bow tie off and start unbuttoning the shirt <laughs> and then they're like eh, fuck you and they just walk away you know like holy shit this guy's really gonna take off his fucking uniform <laughs> kick my ass <laughs> the other thing that's fucking crazy is dan had bought these tactical batons have you ever seen the tactical batons we had? I heard all about this. <laughs> yeah, he fucking, he got like paramilitary tactical batons out of some catalog. He ordered them. I remember he told me, he's like, hey, our fucking tactical batons will be here in two days. I'm like, tactical batons? There were those fucking, like, telescoping police batons where, like, it's, like, just a handle and you go shink and launch it out and it, like, goes out to about three feet. Hard fucking metal, heavy, like, real cop batons. (laughs) Yeah. And we each had one. And I'd fucking carry that shit around in my back pocket every shift. Almost pretty much anywhere I went ever during that period, I had that shit in my back pocket. It's the point where I had, like, most of my pants had holes worn in the back pocket where that thing was and I had to buy new pants. (laughs) But... I don't know how many times we fucking unsheathed that shit in front of people who were, like, gonna get it. Like, okay, alright, tough guy. Pull that shit out, shink, like, we gonna do this? And then they'd be like, fuck you, man, and, like, bail out of there as quick as possible. And nobody ever called the fucking cops. Not a single person. I don't get it. was it. like, oh, the fucking usher at the theater pulled out a fucking police baton and threatened to kick my ass, and I'm just gonna leave and not say anything to anybody oh my god now that would have gotten a SWAT team called on us you know dude it's unreal it's crazy sometimes I think I'm like holy how did I never fucking get killed <laughs> like, I had fucking I had like brothers come back like older brothers come back to the theater no shit like like yeah no shit like come back like I like you I fucking heard you know you want to you want to fucking do this like with someone your own age I'm like yeah sure let's go let's fucking do this I don't care. Let's fucking do this. Shink. (laughs) (laughs) Did you pull the bow tie off? (laughs) Oh, man. Always. Always the bow tie off. The bow tie off is the best part. The bow tie off is like, I'm serious. It's like, do you ever see fucking Dazed and Confused? Of course. Okay. So like, you know, partway through the movie, they're going to get in a fight and the fucking like kind of tough guy takes his shirt off as like part of his we're going to fight routine. That's been done in a million fucking movies and TV shows and like, in real life. But that's the first one I remember where the guy takes his shirt off as part of his like, like, let's do this moment. Yeah. And I'm like, the bow tie off is that. It's like, okay, we're gonna, we're, I don't want to fuck up my bow tie. I'm going to take this off. <laughs> and it was definitely a fucking clip on bow tie too, which is even more awesome. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I don't know. We fucking kicked so many kids out of that theater and then we'd see them out in the world. I remember we there was these fucking kids we would kick out like uh, more than once we kicked them out and then we saw them at a fucking in the in a gas station convenience store once and one of them said like something under his breath to Dan and Dan launched him like a fucking rocket through the hostess display, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> boom like Dan's a pretty big dude and he launched this fucking kid into the hostess display. <laughs> it's, that's one. And I thing... say kid. He was he was probably like eighteen or nineteen. He wasn't like a fucking kid, but. That's one thing you'd say about Dan, man. He doesn't put up with no one shit. No, no. As we heard in the Ridge episode. <laughs> that carried over to this period of time as well. Yeah, a lot of weird kind of like ultra aggressive, like macho. Like, looking back, like I laugh at it. Of course, I think it's silly. I don't look back like, man, I was awesome. Yeah. I think it's funny. I think the ridiculousness of being that way is fucking funny. But You know like i was we were intense dudes you know what i mean like i remember it was around the same period of time that i dan's sister megan was having problems with her ex-boyfriend like he was fucking with her i think he like broke the um antenna off her car or something but we fucking drove to his house just on a whim we're like fuck this guy we drove his house and i slashed his fucking tires in his his driveway just like fuck you then you can wake up to flat tires motherfucker and i popped all four fucking tires (laughs) It's like so ridiculous. <laughs> Did you bring you know? the tactical baton? I'm sure I had it in my back pocket. You know what's fucked up, too, is like how. Like, if a cop pulls you over and pats you down and finds that on you, you're going to get in some pretty significant trouble. Like, it's definitely a back felony then? to have that on you. I'm pretty sure you I mean, can legally f- have that. Now, for sure. Yeah, <clears throat> it was not legal. I don't know how Dan got it, honestly. I mean, the same way he got brass knuckles, probably, but. Yeah, just it so could have easily gone awry, dude. I have the fucking funniest cop story, getting pulled over story that I don't. I'm sure I've told it to you, but if I haven't, I feel like it's worth telling. Me and Dan are driving, and it, it's honestly probably around this period of time too. But we're driving. We had just bought some porno magazines, and so we're we're cruising. We're on our way back to his place. It's like probably midnight or one in the morning. It's pretty late. Cop lights him up. So we're like, all right, fuck, we pull over. As, as the cop's pulling us over, I take the porno mags, and I, I had them on my lap, and I was like, well, I don't want these on my lap when the cop walks up. So I put them next to the seat to the right, like between the seat and the door. Yeah. Just like put them there. And as the cop pulls up on Dan's side, another cop comes up on my side that I didn't see because he didn't have the light up, and he opens the door. Like he just straight opens the door on me. He's like, what do you got here? Like he saw me put something next to the seat he thought maybe it was a gun or something he's gonna fucking get me which fucking smart cop right he saw some movement over there instead of like being all like cautious and like yelling at us to get out of the car he just fucking walked up and opened the door like fuck me fuck you i mean he, he opened the door shot,
1: too if it was a gun
0: absolutely could have gotten shot fucking. if i was black or brown i would definitely be dead right now 100 percent 100 percent he opens the fucking door he's like what do you got here and he grabs the fucking hustler and he looks at him, he goes Nothing wrong with that. And he hands it back to me and closes the door. What the fuck, dude? It was fucking the best. Nothing wrong with that. And then you hit him with your fucking tactical baton. Exactly. And that's the thing, right? He he gets me out of the car and he frisks me. I probably got a baton on me. He, you know, take me to fucking jail immediately. Right. But, you know, white privilege like a motherfucker. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. Porn privilege. I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. I disagree. There is something wrong with white privilege. I take that back. It's not funny. Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So do you remember a couple episodes back we talked briefly about Long John Silvers? Yes. And you asked me if I worked there, and of course I said no, but I I had a story in the future about a Long John Silvers, a related story, right?
1: Is that where we're going?
0: We're going there. So working at this theater, doing door. This woman would come in to see a movie. She'd like buy a popcorn and then walk in and see a movie. She's always alone. She's middle-aged, white, very, very scuzzy looking, like borderline homeless looking, but wearing a long John Silver employee uniform top to bottom. One of the times she she's weird. She wasn't like a just a normal person. She was something was off about her. Yeah, she would come in and go to the movie alone one time she walks past me and i turn to walk her watch walk like down the hallway towards the theater and she's got this huge wet brown stain in the ass of her pants <laughs> so like all right i make a mental note i look to see which seat she's sitting in and then as soon as she leaves we put a fucking garbage bag over the seat so no one ever sit in that seat again <laughs> <laughs> so fast forward another like i don't know a week or two three she comes in again she goes to the bathroom, she leaves the bathroom, she goes to her theater, she sees her movie, she leaves. At some point, someone like, draws to our attention that the woman's bathroom has a problem. We go in there, and there is shit, like diarrhea all over the fucking stall. Like, walls, floor, toilet, on the wall behind the toilet, just diarrhea everywhere. And I know it was fucking her. (laughs) There's no way it wasn't her. I can't prove it but it was her and no one we were like nope not cleaning that nope not paid not paid enough i don't know how that got cleaned i don't remember i got to imagine that dan had a cleaning crew come in or something because there's no fucking way for close to minimum wage we're doing that holy shit it was it was explosive and so when i think of long john silvers that's what i think of every time she had too many hush puppies i think she, <laughs> she must have
1: in she tartar must have, sauce.
0: Oh man. man, it was everywhere. It didn't make it didn't make physical sense. It broke the laws of physics. How much diarrhea there was, and how the level the level of explosiveness it was
1: everywhere. <laughs> I, I just imagine her just like dropping her pants to the floor and just walking in a circle. <laughs> you
0: know, like leaned over. Yeah. yeah, I pictured her. Like I pictured her standing. Like, with the door of the stall open, like, so she's standing with her ass basically at the at the stall <laughs> door level, and then leaning over and spreading her ass cheeks as wide as they would go, and just going like, like, letting her rip, and just kind of doing like a sprinkler, just like, sl- like, turning side to side. <laughs> it made no sense. It was disgusting. It was oh, one of the worst I've God. ever seen, and I've seen a lot of that in my, my days as a minimum wage employee. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, you remember the the marquee that was out on the, I think it might have been Rand Road. It was basically the big sign that told you what movies were playing in the theater. Yeah. So we would have to physically change that by hand. <laughs> yeah. So we'd have to drag this big ass ladder out there, rain or snow, and put it up and fucking, we'd have to, first of all, we'd have to figure out what letters we needed based on what was already up there and what was coming out. Right. And then every Thursday night, you'd have to do that. And whoever did it got 20 bucks cash. That was sort of the the going rate to do the marquee. So I used to do it pretty regularly just to put another couple bucks in my pocket. Even like if I wasn't working, I'd come in and do the marquee. But this guy, Scott, the um, another guy that worked there, he used to do it sometimes too. And I remember one time he, he went out there and he like, didn't come back for a really long time. He like just went we went out, out there himself? and we're, well, he went out with the ladder and yeah, it was a one man job. Okay. He went out there with the ladder and shit and he just, it was like forever that he came and he finally came back. We're like, fuck did you get lost like what happened and he fucking he saw a girl that he knew out there and she ended up blowing him in the fucking bushes underneath the marquee he's like he's like comes back with his big ass smile on his face this shit is a movie dude it so was crazy i'm telling you it made no sense what the fuck it was fucking awesome um (laughs) So, the Kelly that I mentioned before, the kind of innocent one with the, you know, Bill and Chris fighting. Yeah. Uh, Like I said, she was super, like, naive, kind of. She was super sweet. She was really nice, but she hadn't seen a lot. And she used to occasionally, like, leave her car unlocked in the back. We'd all park in the alley behind the theater. So, she'd leave her car unlocked, and... You know, Dan would like give her a hard time, like, like, come on, man, it's not safe. Like someone's going to steal your shit. Like Dan actually got CDs stolen out of his car back there like two different times. So it wasn't like a good idea. Like window smash? So smashed, this one time Dan comes in. Huh? Yeah. Well, I think one time he got his window <laughs> smashed. Another time they just jimmied it. No offense to everyone out there named Jimmy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this one time Dan comes in and he's like, hey, uh, Kelly, there's a bum in your car. And she's like, "No, there's not." And he's like, oh, there, "There's definitely a bum in your car." What the fuck? Shut up, Dan. And that kind of thing. And, and I'm like looking at him, like, "Really? Is there really a bum in her car?" Like I thought she, he was fucking with her. He's like, "No, there's a, there's definitely a bum in your car. Come take a look." <laughs> so we go outside, and there's a fucking bum asleep in her passenger seat. <laughs> Sleeping and the, with the door closed and everything, he, he's locked like, "Oh my god!" Like, freaking out. Now they were still unlocked. He was like, "So out of it." And Dan just like you know taps on the window and opens the door. He's like, "Come on, boss, time to get walking." <laughs> the guy gets gets out, like gathers himself and just goes jumbling down the fucking alley. It was fucking awesome. There's a bum in your car. <laughs> I was like, "Is that a euphemism for something?" There's a bum in your car. Um, here's one that I'm not super proud of. So there was a claw machine in this fucking theater with the stuffed animals. Right. And I figured out that if you unplugged it and plugged it back in, it would give you free credits. So I would like, you know, spend like hours until I got bored basically trying to get stuffed animals and shit. Yeah. And for the game was fucking rigged. It's really hard to get those stuffed animals like it's designed to not pick them up. So at some point I was like, you know, I think I could get into this fucking, you know, the little like shoot that you get in you know, it's not designed for your arm to go through, but I'm like, I bet if I get a wire hanger or two wire hangers, I can fashion a device that would allow me to jettison some stuffies out of this thing. So I'm bored. You know, there's maybe there's not enough like cool people working that shift or whatever. Next thing I know, I'm like jimmying out fucking stuffed animals out of this claw machine. And like, I get one. I'm like, that was easy. I'm gonna get another one. I get two. I'm like, bet you I could get all of these. I fucking cleaned that goddamn thing out. Like, took every fucking stuffed animal out of there. This is one of those talks that Dan had with me. <laughs> we talked earlier when I said it was rare, but it happened. Where did I you put all the animals? animals? In my bedroom, on the floor next to our bed. Just a big fucking, like, like menagerie of stuffed animals. Um, and I thought it was hilarious. And then when I saw the guy come that, like, did the filling... He he shows up. He's got his little like. He pulls like a like a wagon, like a red wagon full of you know stuffed animals, and he's coming down the mall. And he comes in, and I see him look at the machine, kind of confused. And all of a sudden, I was like, "There's not going to be any money in that <laughs> machine." <laughs> I I literally had to excuse myself. I couldn't watch. I felt so bad. I felt so bad because I'm like in my brain, I'm like, "Oh, some corporate." this is some corporate entity owns this fucking claw machine. I'm pretty sure this guy owned that claw machine and he had like worked out some deal and I'm, I just stole stuffed animals, but I couldn't bring myself to like, of course, like return them to him or anything. Cause I was like, Oh, what's done is done. But I couldn't watch. I had to like leave the theater and just like, no, I can't, I can't do it. (laughs) I still feel a little bad about that. And Dan's like, dude, that's, that's over the line. You crossed the line. <laughs> like, at all the shit we did, that's when I crossed the line. <laughs> oh my God. Um, oh fuck. You know, this just occurred to me. I actually forgot about this right here. So, I've told you about my, my long haired phase, which I'm currently in a new one. Yeah. But I went through a phase. I, I saw the movie Desperado and I was like, man, Antonio Manderas is sexy as fuck with that hair. I wonder what I'd look like with that hair. <laughs> so I spent the next two years growing my hair. So we talked briefly, I think, about it in the Hughes episode where I had to, sh- I had to cut my hair because they wouldn't allow long hair. And so I just shaved my head as like a fuck you to the world. Yeah. So since that shaved head, I had been growing my hair out. At this point, I had a fucking, I had long hair. I had like cool fucking long hair, right? I was like sexy long haired guy. <laughs> yeah. But not really because one day i realized like these fucking like metal chicks walk by chix and uh you know like leather jackets and they smell like cigarettes and stuff sure and they kind of they're kind of like eyeballing me like hey what's up man and then i was like ooh, they're kind of vibing me these fucking rocker chicks and i was like these are the only kind of girls that vibe me right now no one else vibes me but girls that look like that i'm like oh man it's the fucking hair like, all at once, I was like, this fucking hair is so stupid. This looks so stupid on me. <laughs> me and my fucking long hair. And I, <laughs> I'm like, nope. Fucking bounced out of that theater, got a haircut. <laughs> Straight out, I'm like, nope, gone. It How long was like long the woman it? at the, the like, middle of my back. Holy shit. The woman at the fucking, at, at the super cuts was like, are you sure? I'm like, yep, take it off. Get it off immediately. Get the fuck off of me. <laughs> take it away fucking sons of anarchy junior oh man it looks so fucked up it looks you know it's funny it looks more fucked up now than it did then but right now i think it's really funny to have long hair which is why i've got it i just it amuses me greatly to be (laughs) like have a steven seagal ponytail
1: (laughs) if you can i want you to
0: find some pictures to post there aren't any. There's one picture of me with long hair and it's from the back walking away. With Dan, right? There's no, I don't, I'm not, yeah, I'm not yeah. a picture guy. I've never been a picture guy. Even now, like I have the Instagram and shit. I fucking, what, I got 70 pictures up there in five years. Like I just don't give a shit. Right. I don't, my memory is my memory. You know? like, I don't think in those terms of like, let's take pictures of everything. The fact that I'm recording this podcast is sort of weird to like, I'm putting this out. It's permanent, you know, it's out there. Right. Like I don't. I really I don't know why I just never was a picture guy. Maybe it's like that insecure part of me that's still like you're ugly. I don't know, but yeah, there's only one picture of me with long hair, and it's from the back. You can't even see my face. Okay, which I'll f- try to find and post, but you know it's not that much fun. Um, so projection. We're gonna talk about projection for a minute. I don't know if you, you we've talked about it maybe a little bit, but you know the projectionists were a union. They're part of a union. So they were outside employees. They weren't like, they didn't work for Dan. They were their own thing. They came and went sort of on their own. They had keys. They did their own thing. We interacted with them when we had to, but generally it was like, we didn't deal with them that much, but there was two projectionists that, I think there was three, but there's only two that I really have memories of at town and country. One was this super old guy named Al, who was a fucking prick. He was like, and Dan did the most on-point impression of this guy. I've ever seen a person do of another person. It was so fucking awesome and I can't even get close to it, but you know, I'll attempt it here in a minute. But uh yeah, this guy was just crotchety as fuck, just always annoyed, always angry. And my the two stories that really jump out at me when it comes to Al. The first one and I wasn't around for the first one, but I heard about it from like nine or 10 people and it sounded awesome. But I guess he was outside doing work on his car in that alley, like between, you know, he was like, I don't know, look at his fucking radiator or something. And he had like, the steam coming out of the radiator had like burned his fucking shirt off. I don't know, it didn't like burn him, but it like fucked his shirt up, like put holes in his shirt. And the, the story goes that he's yelling at Scott, the guy who got the blowjob by the marquee. Yeah. He's yelling at Scott to go down to Marshall's to get him some, some t-shirts. But he was like, I need... Give me, give me some t-shirts! I need some fucking v-neck t-shirts! <laughs> like, in this way, it was so, like, ridiculous. Uh, just the idea... When you, if you heard this guy's voice, the idea of him yelling v-neck t-shirts made me laugh so fucking hard. <laughs> the other Al story I was definitely there for, I drew, a, like, a googly-eyed smiley face on a piece of paper at the concession stand, I think, trying to make, like, one of the girls working there laugh. And John thought it'd be funny to write Al... Underneath the picture and then tape it on the inside of the door to the projection booth (laughs) and then just wait and see what would happen and like Hours later, Al comes storming out of the fucking projection booth with the picture. Like, this ain't fucking funny. Who did this? I'll kick your fucking ass. like (laughs) really genuinely mad. He's like a 70-year-old guy. He wants to kick someone's ass. And it's like the picture looked anything like him. It was just a random fucking stupid face. But because it said Al under it and it was taped to the door, dude, it was so funny. We were all like hiding, like watching him scream from different parts of the lobby. Like, this guy's going to fucking blow a (laughs) casket. He was really—he's definitely got to be dead now. Oh yeah, I mean, this was nine. Yeah, this is ninety-seven, ninety-eight. So it's, we're looking at twenty-one years, and he was seventy. So I guess he could be like ninety-five. But fucking, that guy was a trip. <laughs> um, the other projectionist that's awesome was his name was Daryl, and he looked just like Art Garfunkel—the big fucking curly hair. Yeah, and uh, he was super oblivious. So like, you'd be walking down the fucking down the projection area like towards him like bumping into shit like just being normal and he would you would always startle him like he would like oh like turn around like grab his chest you know (laughs) and the classic one was dan came walking down to like tell him something and he's up on a ladder daryl is like changing movie on the top platter of the the projector the projector, and dan's like knocking shit over and like trying to be loud so they didn't scare him on the ladder (laughs) and then we got closer he's like hey daryl and daryl fucking like got so startled he fell off the ladder like whacked his head on the platter (laughs) fell off the shit he gets up he's like oh you scared the pants out of me (laughs) and of course from then on you scared the pants out of me was the fucking phrase God damn, Daryl!
1: I heard you guys say that for years. I never knew what it was.
0: Yeah, that's where it came from. It came from fucking Daryl. He, he fell off that fucking ladder and smacked his head on the platter. I guess he was okay. He got up and continued to work. But that fucking guy was—he was like a skittish cat. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he'd be like so loud, and he would still act like he didn't hear you. It was very crazy. But at some point, um I don't know if like just Cineplex, Onion, or Sony or who like came to an impasse with a new uh, contract with the projectors union and we sort of heard about it like ahead of time like i know dan did some projection training like maybe six months out and then all of a sudden like two weeks out it was sort of like are they or aren't they going to sign a contract and we we're like what's going to happen if they don't sign a contract and dan's like well we're going to have to fucking do projection ourselves and he's like well do you want to learn and i'm like yeah so he fucking taught me how to do it like, one day when no one was there, like, after they we closed and the, project, the projectionist left, we, like, went in and he showed me how to, like, basically do projection. Like, and it's kind of complicated. It was, it's not now. Now it's very automated. But back then it involved, like, splicing fucking film together and, like, putting it on a platter and winding it and putting it, f- like, winding it through the projector in a certain way and then, like, running the projector to get it to, like, loosen and just a whole bunch of bullshit. That's
1: serious, yeah.
0: Yeah, there was, like, different different movies took different apertures. You had to change apertures and stuff, and, like, there was a whole lot kind of to it. But I was like, oh, this would like, be kind of cool to be up here, like, you know, have run of the fucking place. So, at the beginning of May of 98, the, the fucking, like, with maybe a week's notice, the theater locked out, the projectionists. And suddenly, like, we were the projectionists. And I don't know if you know anything about unions, really, but, like, you know, if you if you do a person's job who's in a union, you're considered a scab, right? And we were definitely fucking scabs, and we never dealt with it. But other people in the theater, like, definitely had like their cars fucked up, their tires slashed, like Whoa. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, like the it was a real serious thing for a while. Like there was, I think people like actually went to jail for arson and stuff relating to this whole lockout. Um, we never really saw any of that at our theater, I guess, because we're a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember, <laughs> so. Kind of the biggest issue I remember having with doing projection was they're called brain wraps. So like a brain wrap, when, when you know the film starts on one big platter, it goes through the projector, and then it spools onto another platter. And then it just goes back and forth all day. Like you have to re-thread it every time, but you just take it off one platter it goes through the projector on the other platter then you thread it goes back down on the other platter and if you have two movies in the same theater each projector has three platters so you have two movies on two platters and then you just kind of alternate okay. which one so yeah. um so we had six theaters in that so six different you know projectors with all this fucking shenanigans and static electricity would build up in the in the room in the project, projection booth and if it got bad enough the the film would start to stick together and then if it stuck together too much in the wrong way, it would, like, pull tightly on the platter. And the next thing, in the, the film wouldn't move through the projector. It would, like, lock. And if it stopped in front of the light long enough, it would melt the fucking frame right. that was right in front of the light, right? So sometimes you could catch it as it was happening and sort of, like, fix it as it's going like by, like, moving things around with your hand or whatever. Um, but when it would happen bad, you'd have to just turn the projector off, turn the light off, clip the fucking film on either side of where it melted and then use a splicer and, and basically look at the film and figure out where the exact frame ended and then splice it so that it was a perfect match so that you could put it back in and you know there's 24 frames a second or whatever so if you cut one frame out it's not super noticeable yeah but the the first week that we did projection the movie deep impact came out you remember that movie with <laughs> elijah freeman. wood i think yeah. right morgan freeman comets and shit so we had, I think we had maybe four theaters of Deep Impact. Like, it was a pretty big movie. Right. And so it was pretty busy. And I remember that whole fucking weekend we were dealing with these brain raps happening. <clears throat> and there was one particular fucking theater, Theater 6, that kept having it happen. So we're, like, having to stop the movie and cut the film and re-splice it and start it again and, like, unwind shit. And, like, we're giving out readmits left and right, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, but the fucking best part was it kept catching on the same part of the movie. And so it was the climax of the movie. You know, if you've seen the movie at the end, when the fucking ship kamikazes into the bigger of the two comets and destroys it. And then the little one's the one that actually hits the earth. The fucking, the melting part kept happening during that, that part. And I kept having to like cut more and more and more of the movie out to like splice it together. And then at a certain point. I cut out the whole impact of the ship hitting the comet. <sighs> so you're watching the movie and people are all tense and they're saying their goodbyes via their fucking, you know, the, the webcam footage or whatever. Like, you know, bye, daddy. Thank you. And, and he's like, bye, honey. That's a mighty that's a mighty powerful rocket you got there. And then it just cuts straight to everybody cheering. <laughs> like, what, what happened? <laughs> I, remember, I remember being like, I, I think we might have broke this movie. I don't think this movie's watchable anymore really funny dude yeah we we gave out a lot of fucking readmits that week but after we got the hang of it we got enough humidifiers and stuff up there to keep it from getting too crazy um being a projectionist was kind of awesome like first of all i didn't have to wear a fucking uniform i could just wear like a wife beater and shorts if i wanted to um we put a tower of power up in the booth do you know what that is what the fucking like you could do pull-ups and dips and (laughs) shit (laughs) <laughs> we put one of those up in the fucking booth so we could work out up there. I used to bring my guitar to work. I used to read books. Like, you'd, you'd once you got the hang of it, you'd basically have a schedule, and you just walk around. You'd thread the movie. Then you'd hit the button to make it start going. You'd make sure the lights were off. You'd, like, watch for a second to make sure, like, everything was in focus and it was lined up correctly. And then you just let that movie run for two hours. You do that six times, and then you fucking chill for... I don't know, an hour and 15 minutes, and then you do it again, and then you chill for another hour and 45 minutes, and then you do it again. And, like, I don't know, it was fucking once you got used to it, you could do it real quick. It was easy. And I spent like lots of, I'd fucking hang out all day. I'd chill up there, I'd go downstairs and hang out with the people downstairs, but I wouldn't be wearing the bow tie and shit. Yeah. Um, It was like a whole new job, you know? It was How long did you do awesome. that for? I probably did that for two months ish. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll explain in a minute why I stopped doing it. Um, but first, one of the things that was kind of cool, I guess, cool. I don't know. It, so there was a an assistant manager working there. This this girl named Jamie who we ca- we got along well enough. But at some point, about halfway through my career there, we started getting along really well, and. You know, we had, like, a very significant flirtation going. She had a boyfriend, but, like, I don't know, whatever, I didn't really care. I'm not, I don't really do the bro code thing, if I don't know you. uh, I don't have any loyalty to you. But, um, I remember that I used to close a lot, and during closing shifts, for the last two hours when those last movies were running, I would just sit in the office and talk to her, just, like, chat about life or whatever, and, you know, got to know her pretty well, and, um... But I remember, like, sometimes we'd get talking and we'd lose track of time and the theaters would end and all the fucking people would leave and we wouldn't notice. We'd just be in there shooting the shit for, like, another 20 minutes. And then all of a sudden the fucking security guard of the mall would come and bang on the gate. Like, like hey, fuckheads, that kind of thing. Yeah, And, you know, sometimes, like, I just open the door like, yeah, yeah, we're coming. Right. But this one specific time, fucking... I don't know he just pissed me off i came out and i was like what the fuck is your problem and like you know he's like oh, time to go because he didn't speak very good english he was like eastern european or something so he was just like yelling at me in sort of half english half something else and like waving his flashlight around angrily and i was like oh, fuck yourself man like like do you want to do this you know <laughs> he's like i didn't pull my out. baton out <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> if i was wearing a bow tie i might have taken it off but i was just real like fuck you man i didn't even think too much about it fast forward about two weeks Three weeks. I'm working as doorman because um, sometimes I would cover other shifts. It wasn't always projection. And I see these two dudes walking up and they're both in shape. But one guy was like professional bodybuilder in shape. Like he's fucking enormous. Yeah. Like just wide. He wasn't taller than me. He was actually a little shorter than me, but he was like massive, like bench press 450 pounds kind of dude. Right. And. They come walking up and one guy hangs back a little bit. And then the bigger guy comes walking straight up to me like he fucking knows me. And I'm sort of like, is this guy going to hand me a movie ticket? But I could tell by his body language that that's probably not what was going on here. So I was like, oh, I was like, did I fucking kick this kid's brother out of the theater or something? (laughs) Like, what's going on now? And he comes up and he immediately starts landing me like he's going to fuck me up. And I need to, like, respect my elders. And, you know, who do I think I am? And, like, you know. But, like, all this sort of jabroni kind of, like, macho bullshit And I'm sort of like, are you for real, dude? (laughs) Like, you're really like, you're going to come in here weighing, you know, 280 pounds, pure muscle, and like step to this dude, like in a fucking, and he's probably in his late 20s, you know, he's like a a grown up. And I'm like, all right, like, I I remember thinking like, I'm not fucking scared of you. I know you want me to be scared right now. I can tell that's what's going on. Right. I'm not going to give you that. I'm not going to fucking give you the satisfaction. I remember, like, laughing. Like, <laughs> are you fucking serious, man? I don't even know what you What are you talking about? What are you talking... Tell me what you're talking about, and then we can talk about that. If I did something, let me know what I did, then I'll fucking tell you if I'm sorry for it or not. But right now, I'm not fucking sorry, because I don't know what you're pissed about. Like, I don't know you. I've never seen you before, bro. And he's, like, getting madder and kind of redder, and I can see over his shoulder Dan talking to the other guy, kind of having a similar type of conversation where, like, the guy's, like, telling Dan to stay out of it and back off and kind of, like, getting in front of him, and Dan's, like, doing what Dan does a little bit, like, the fuck's going on here? Like, he's sort of trying to get it. And then I'm also thinking, I'm wearing steel-toed boots right now, so if this guy gets within another fucking two inches close to me, I'm taking out a knee. Because like, I'm not going to fucking. I don't know if this guy can take a punch or not, but he's built like a fucking animal. So the first thing I'm going for is that knee. I'm going to fucking crack that knee with this boot. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully he will not expect it. <laughs> I'm just like waiting. I'm like waiting for him to. Because at this point, I felt like he's trying to scare me. I'm not going to be scared of him. He may decide to attack me because of that. Or he may realize he's not going to win that game and just leave. I don't know which it is. But if he moves, because he wasn't like in my face, in my face, he was like maybe two three feet away but I was like if this guy gets any fucking closer I'm gonna I'm going for the knee yeah and then as that thought's crossing my mind I hear Dan yell to the girl in the box office who like stuck her head out like is everything okay and Dan's like Amy call the police call call the police call 911 get these fucking guys out of here and then like at that point the guy's like done with me like I guess he said everything he had to say and he didn't want to actually fight me. So he's like starts walking. He like walks away and then the other guy walks away. And then Dan like comes over me like, what the fuck was that about? Like, I'm sure Dan's like, did you fuck that guy's girlfriend or something? (laughs) You know, like (laughs) what the hell? And I was like, I have no idea what that was about. But as the guy's like walking out, I'm starting to get mad. Like you're coming in my fucking job, you know, like. Like, fuck you, man. And the next thing I know, I'm like fucking following, like walking out the theater. Like, fuck this guy. I want to like, let's continue this conversation. Yeah. I remember I suddenly have a fucking baton in my back pocket. And so I come out and the guys they had turned right out of the theater, fe- like out of the theater in the mall, like down another hallway. And so I turned and they weren't there. They like I don't know where the fuck they disappeared to, but the fucking security guard that I got into a yelling match with a couple weeks before was standing there. And I was like, do you see those fucking big dudes come around? And he's like, huh? And I'm like, the big bodybuilder-looking fucking guys. He's like, I didn't see anybody. I'm like, the fuck you didn't? You know, like, (laughs) there's no way you did. There's nobody else in the mall, literally nobody, anywhere. It's completely fucking empty. It was like 930 at night on a Tuesday. Yeah. Like, fuck you. You didn't see. Bu- guy was wearing a fucking tank top with muscles coming out of every. Fuck you. <laughs> and so I was like, this fucking guy. So then we go back to the to the uh, to the theater and I'm like kind of like cooling off like the fuck was that. I start thinking more about it and I'm like, I don't know, man, there's something hinky about that. And I'm thinking harder. I'm like, I swear I remember seeing that security guard guy with a fucking Gold's gym bag. And I'm like, I bet you that fucking guy like got somebody at his gym that he's friends with or like a nephew or somebody that I bet you that's what because he kept saying, like, respecting your elders and stuff. And I was like, you're not that much older than me, dude. (laughs) And and then I realized, like, I don't think he's talking about him. I think he's talking about somebody else. I think he's here on somebody's behest. So I'm like, what I would think would be fucking awesome is if that guy paid those guys to come and, like, (laughs) scare me. And then that happened. And it didn't change anything because I was like, fuck those guys. You know, like, no part of me was like, oh my God. Like, that guy could definitely have picked me up and ripped me in half. 100%. The guy was enormous. Yeah. But fuck that guy. I was definitely like, fuck that guy. I remember thinking, like, (laughs) what what the hell was that? And then never again. Nothing ever fucking happened again. Like, never saw those guys again. That security guard never, I mean, we never had another issue, but it wasn't because I was like, not trying to you know i don't know i didn't care i was like i oh, don't fuck you right but it's funny it's a funny thought i've not it's like the biggest guy you can imagine coming up stepping to you randomly like what the fuck is this about <laughs>
1: <laughs> like fucking jay cutler or something
0: yeah dude he was fucking huge he was so he he had fucking back acne and shit too like i could see it on his traps yeah i was like this guy's roided out of his mind <laughs> I was like, I really don't want to have to fight this dude right now. <laughs> I'm not gonna kiss his ass not to, but I really hope he doesn't swing on me, though. That'll suck. Um yeah, it's kind of a funny story though. Back to the uh the assistant manager that I got along with pretty well. Um you I've told you, I'm sure, the stories like top to bottom because they're interesting, and I'm not gonna get too involved now, except for that I definitely was like trying to get like a some sort of like a triad thing going like i wanted another one of those kind of you know relationships and she seemed sort of into it you know like her and her and jacqueline were friends um not like super close but they hung out a little bit and it was like going that direction yeah and then at some point she came over we were hanging out in the apartment pretty late and then when she left when I opened the door to let her out, her fucking boyfriend was sitting on the floor of our apartment, like, in the hallway. Just, like, sitting there. And he didn't even look at me or anything. Like, I opened the door and I saw him sitting there and I was like, that's interesting. <laughs> and I, like, turned and looked at her like, you see him, right? <laughs> and then she just, like, says goodbye, give her, like, a hug, and she walks out the door and I close the door and I go back to the bedroom and I'm like, hey, uh, so that was weird. And I told Jacqueline what happened and then we, like, Got up and looked out the fucking window. And I'm pretty sure I went and woke Dan up, too. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I was like, hey, Dan, fucking check this out. And we watched out of our window, watched them argue in the parking lot for like 20 minutes. And then after that, we barely, we didn't hang out at all ever again, like outside of work. She basically was like, nope. And I was like, I don't know, kind of, he must have made a, a, a better deal. He must have made an offer. He must have said the right thing because she dropped me like a fucking hot potato. Yeah. But... It was probably, the. it was certainly the right choice, but yeah, I, I, it was a very strange little moment there. I was like, what is he doing here? Is he going to kill me? <laughs> Does he have a gun? What's going on? <laughs> Does like, he you imagine a builder?" Open... Yeah, like exactly. We're in a fucking, we're in an apartment building with like gates and fucking locked doors and shit. So, I mean, yeah, it's not like he had to be a mastermind to get in. He just waited for somebody or buzzed somebody else's apartment or something. Yeah. But he definitely was sitting on the third floor in the hallway waiting. And the thing that's fucked up is how long was he out there? Like he could have been out there for like four hours just sitting there outside of our door. He didn't text her and say, Hey, I'm here. No, no. It was like, I didn't, I mean, it was so weird. It was, uh, it's one of those like, Ooh, what did I get myself into here? Like, I mean, whatever you know what i mean but yeah. i was i was definitely like uh, okay this will be a potentially interesting moment in my life uh and it it wasn't that interesting <laughs> <laughs> that's where it ended but then he, when he would come and like pick her up from work or whatever or visit her he would like stand all the way at the end of the mall like down at the end by the front doors and i would see him standing down there waiting and i was like is he really not going to come up here like uh, Really? Like why? What what's going to happen, you know? Like is he so scared that he's going to be able to control himself, he's going to attack me or what? What's up? Like I don't know, it was very strange to me, but whatever. Looking back, I I don't I don't know what was going on. I didn't know the ins and outs of their relationship. I th- I had thought they were like split up at that point. Okay. So, whether or not they were, I don't know, but I thought they were broken up and I wasn't thinking in those terms. But I also didn't have a lot of sympathy or yeah, I was a prick. Let's just be honest. <laughs> I was kind of a prick. Um, have you... Has, has anything been left out that you are like, I remember this story. I'm wondering if he's going to tell it or if I fucking hit all the greatest hits for you so far? No, yeah. We're, we're right where I thought we'd be. I'm giving you the fucking supreme deal, man. I'm, I'm giving you a lot. That's pretty much everything I can remember as I remember it. Um, another really funny fucking John story. This fucking guy, man. I... I have a billion fucking John stories, but we're seeing a movie. Right? So like I said before, I loved being a projectionist because I could fucking be just whatever. I didn't have to wear the uniform or anything. At some point, like corporate got involved and told Dan that he had to start having the projectionist wear, sh- wear the uniform. And he was like, well, you don't have to wear the uniform, just have the shirt. And if you, if you come down for some reason, put the shirt on when you come out. And I was like, nah, fuck that. If I have to wear the shirt, I got to wear the pants. I'll have to be up there in the pants and I just fuck off. I'll just wear the fucking, the shirt, you know? Like, I think actually the point when the body blows came in was after the, after that. And I think I was wearing the fucking, I was wearing the uniform and I was downstairs because I didn't want to be in the projection booth wearing the uniform, you know? Right. But john was like well i'll fucking wear the uniform can i do projection and so like we taught john how to do projection and then he would do projection and i remember me and jacqueline went to see a movie and we're sitting in the theater and it's nobody else in there it's just me and her maybe there's one more one or two more people in there but it's like very few people we're waiting for like before the trailers start like it's you know there's just like normally like a q101 mix cd that they had for the theaters they had some sort of deal with q101 yeah not to mention q101 again this episode is sponsored by q 101 exactly but uh, I'm sitting there, ta- we're talking, me and Jacqueline just kind of killing time, waiting for the movie to start. And all of a sudden I'm like, what are we listening to? I-, I start to hear music that's not familiar to me. Have you ever heard Ain't No Fun by Snoop Dogg? No. It's off doggy style. Well, at some point listening to, to it, because it's fucking amazing. But it's really profane, like like hypersexual and vulgar. And uh, the moment that made me turn and look up at the projection booth window... There's a Warren G verse where he says, "So back up bitch because I'm struggling, just get on your knees and then start juggling, juggle these motherfucking nuts in your mouth." So back up bitch, because I'm struggling, just get on your knees and then start
1: these nuts in your
0: And I remember like hearing that and going like, "The fuck?" and like turning and looking up at the projection booth window and John is like looking out of the window smiling at me. <laughs> He, like, put Doggy Style in the CD player and was playing it in all the theaters. Because it's not just one theater. It's playing in every theater at the same time. So somewhere else in that, there's probably a theater with 30 fucking people listening to that in, in the theater. It's like, you fucking animal. That was awesome. Dude, that fucking... This was, like, the job, you know? It's, yeah. It's, like, the gold standard for fucking jobs. Like... I don't know. Like some of my best memories I think happened during when I worked there and like the money sucks, but I remember, you know, bucking three or $400 a paycheck. I worked cooking 12 hour shifts like on the regular. Yeah. It um, sounds
1: like you, like most all you did was work, right?
0: Yeah. I was, I mean, I would worked and I'd play music and I'd have sex and see movies and, get dinner <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I went running a lot I you know reading my journals I w- was running a lot and but I was eating like shit too so I wasn't in like the best shape but I was trying to keep in shape so I remember running a lot I was lifting because we had the weight bench in the house in the apartment but um, yeah all that's left really is to talk about why I quit working there um, and so as I mentioned earlier Aaron and Shane and I have been playing and writing songs and we, did, we didn't, like, have a band name or anything. We didn't even know if we were going to be a band at that point early, early on. Um, and I was still playing through that fucking same practice amp that I had back in high school and shit. Like, I hadn't, I hadn't bought, like, a real amp yet. Yeah. Which is kind of fucking pathetic. But um, I remember at some point Aaron's like, you know, if we're going to take this seriously, you should probably get an amp. You should get a better amp. He's like, why don't you save up for an amp? He's, he still was in his senior year of college. So he was like coming back on weekends or random times, like Thanksgiving break, shit like that. He was going to uh,
1: school in Michigan, right?
0: Yeah. Kalamazoo, Michigan. And, um, I think Shane was like half working at the theater and then doing some other stuff. And I think he might've been at the cab. I can't remember if he was still going to school or not at that point, but, um, yeah, I remember Aaron saying like, well, I'm, I'll be graduating. I'll be back in the summer. So have a fucking amp. In the summer and we'll like be a band right and so i was like all right that's that's cool like let's do that um yeah i don't i i feel like it was probably like october when we actually were like let's be a band We'll, we'll we're called midwest get you know serious, like we yeah. we decided on a name and we're like okay we're gonna write songs this is gonna be a thing and the plan will be when you get back from college then we'll actually really start trying to make this thing happen and by then i'll have saved up for a fucking a good amp which i did um i got myself marshall jcm 800 i think it probably cost me like you know thousand bucks 1100 bucks then like the cab was like 900 bucks so i think i had to save two thousand dollars which i was able to do because my rent was like you know probably 300 bucks or 400 bucks something like that um But yeah, during that summer, summer of 98, we started playing shows and like practicing a lot and and really kind of thinking about what we were going to do next. And I remember Aaron had made a comment at some point, like jokingly about moving to L.A. So the plan was in October when our lease was up. Because we had signed a six-month lease for the apartment first, and then after six months we signed another six-month lease, and then that lease was up in October, and the plan was going to be move back to L.A. Jacqueline was 100% wanting to move back to L.A., and I was too, and the only thing that was making me feel hesitant was the band, because I was like, well, I'm just starting this band, I'm not sure how I feel about, I'm like, what am I going to do? You know, same kind of predicament I found myself in previous times a bit, but I know Shane had gone on a vacation with his girlfriend at the time to California. And then when he got back, he's like, yeah, she wants to move there after school. And I think that'd be cool. And then, uh, at some point we went on a road trip, the three of us to watch Barry do, uh, like Jesus Christ superstar in Pensacola, Florida. And so while we were driving back after like having a fun, like four, three or four day, like little, Getaway together and driving through fucking, you know, New Orleans and just doing a thing. We're like, I can't remember. I think Aaron was like, let's just fucking move to L.A. when Jacqueline goes in October. Let's just all go. And I was like, yeah, if you're fucking serious, like that would be perfect for me. And Shane's like, oh, that'd be cool. Like, So we fucking decided like we're going to. okay, in October, we're moving to California, like us three and Jacqueline will go to L.A. together and we'll bring our band called Midwest to California, (laughs) which is a funny thought and was funny later and later episodes. We'll come back again. But let me ask you really quick. What was your,
1: what was your feeling on that being how close you and Dan were at that point? I mean, you
0: guys were basically like fucking brothers. You know, I've always known Dan's not leaving. Like Dan's always made it pretty clear if he was going to leave, the Chicago area, he's going to move to like Europe or something. He's not moving to another state. It's just not something he's ever shown any real desire, or interest in. And I've always hated living in the cold weather in the Midwest. Like I just, I really never liked it. And so there was sort of, was always that like ticking clock on our intimate relationship, if you will. Yeah. Um. The truth is I, you know, in a perfect world, Dan moves to LA too. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, fucking let's go. We had been talking this whole year that I was living with him about starting a record label together, starting a record label slash porno company, you know, like all kinds of silliness. And the record label is actually a pretty reasonable thing. Like, we were fairly connected in music. We both had taste we both like were into indie stuff it would have been a good and he would be an awesome like a r person he would be really really good at that job he also would be good at running a label he'd be good at all the kind of stuff i would be bad at probably yeah um we thought and talked very very deeply about doing that and for some reason something kept us from pulling the trigger on actually doing it i don't know what it was exactly it could have been me could have been him could have been a combination it's one of those things where if I look back at my life and I'm like, what could I have done differently that would make like, what thing is been left unsaid that I would have liked to see the other side of the coin starting a record label with Dan in 1998, like a little indie record label for doing like emo, hardcore whatever the kind of shit we were listening to the time, would have been fucking awesome and potentially could have changed both of our lives in a pretty positive way. Um, whether, and you know, like whatever, we're both doing what we're doing now and it is what it is. But I do wonder and I do, I do look back kind of longingly on it. Like, ah, oh, what could have been? It's definitely that kind of a thing. It yeah. sucks because it would have been cool. And interestingly, you know, the Denrich Network, the thing that I kind of use as my production company for all the stuff I do, podcasts and everything. Uh, Denrich is actually when we were trying to come up with potential names for our record label. Denrich was one of the ones I suggested Denrich Records and I'm not going to tell you what it means although I think I've told you before but I'm not going to tell the audience because I think it's better like a weird obscure thing and if I ever get traction on the Denrich network it'll be one of those like Wikipedia things where you'll not know if it's true or not (laughs) but that is actually weirdly I didn't even think about that when this topic came up that that is where that name came from originally for me yeah so the idea of leaving, I was like, Well, if we're not gonna start a record label together, that's obviously not gonna happen. It hasn't happened yet. It's been a year and for whatever reason we haven't we haven't pulled the trigger on that. I'm I don't think anything's gonna come of it. So I'm gonna follow the my heart, if you will, and go back to LA and try to make this band work and stay in my relationship with the, the woman I love, all that kind of shit. Um But yeah, we uh you know what's fucking awesome? We used to write in the theater. Aaron would come to the theater when I was closing and we would just go in one of the theaters that was empty that wasn't playing a movie and we'd sit at the bottom and just with acoustic guitars we'd write. And that's actually I remember we wrote the song Love of Broken Bones off the Midwest album that that's where we wrote that song in Theater 5. <laughs> I remember it very vividly. That's very it's cool. a cool memory, sitting in that fucking empty theater. Um yeah, it's kind of funny. So I'm not actually gonna tell you about quitting this job. The reason why is because when we decided we were gonna to move to California, I realized I needed to get a second job in order to like make money to afford the move. And so did you hear my voice crack right there? I sure it was, did. <laughs> I was like being fourteen all over again. Um do you remember when you first hit puberty and you started getting pubic hair?
1: <laughs> um not exactly. You heard me.
0: I remember having like three pubic hairs. I do. I remember physically looking at my area and being like, Oh, I've got pubic hairs. (laughs) (laughs) Three of them. Three. I lost my virginity when I had about 17 pubic hairs. Awesome. I hadn't, I did not have much going on. I was a late bloomer. What was I saying? Oh yeah. I had to get a second job to afford the move to LA. And so, uh, yeah, the next episode, we'll talk about my second job during this, the end of the summer here. And then we'll talk about the quitting of both jobs and subsequent moving to Los Angeles again. But yeah, um, that's Town & Country in a nutshell, in a nice fucking, you know, two-hour nutshell. So let's pee-pee scale it. I think you know the fucking answer, my friend. There's only one. The fucking t in. I'm going to bring back that sample. I'm going, use, I'm going to reuse that sample. You ready? It's going to come in right here. I gave it a uh, a tan. A tan. A fucking
1: tan. Gentlemen. <laughs> there it is. Oh, dude, I, I'm like, this is a very exciting episode, too, because I'm like living a very happy part of your life through you you know and like yeah just like all the experiences that i've heard over the years and stuff it's very yeah
0: yeah it's kind of interesting because you've heard a lot of these stories but not really in like a chronological way so now you're like oh okay that's where that fit in that's where he was in his life when that happened or you know you've heard these stories but like i imagine you've heard the bodybuilder story at some point right but you didn't necessarily know everything surrounding it like where I was as a person, you know, I had a tactical baton in my back pocket. <laughs> he almost lost a kneecap. Okay. Yeah, he definitely came close to losing a kneecap. It would have been like his kneecap's gone or my neck is broken. One of those two <laughs> things would have happened very quickly. Yeah, that guy was a fucking animal. He looked like an ape. He was so big. Man. He was so big, dude. I'm sure as a powerlifter, you've been around really big dudes. So you know what it's like. I mean, you're a pretty big dude. This guy was fucking enormous. Yeah. <laughs> he was impressively large. If I just saw him out in the world, I'd be like, dude, good job, man. You've put some work in. Instead, I was like, man, please don't fucking punch me. Um, yeah, yeah. So number 10 on the PP scale for sure. And uh yeah, the next episode. Can you guess what it is? No. I don't think you can. No. You're gonna like this one. UPS. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna talk about ups on the next episode we're gonna get all so that'll be interesting browns yeah i'm gonna put on some brown and i don't think i actually wore brown but we'll get into that during the episode so uh yeah hopefully you guys enjoy this one um i may or may not be breaking it into two parts probably will so if you're hearing this after listening to a second episode then you know more than i do right in this moment <laughs> But either way, uh, come back next time and enjoy yourself some UPS with me and Chris. And it's been great having you. Thanks, guys. Take it easy.